Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Brent Pluelling from Charles Reinhardt Realtors, serving the Ann Arbor, Michigan area. Brent started his real estate career while he was still in college as an intern for the top real estate agent in the state. After graduating from business school, he became a full-time agent, and over the last 14 years in real estate, he's worked his way up to the top 1% of real estate agents in Michigan. Brent's focus is on customer service and results-based real estate, and he's just passed 100 closings this year, with many more in his sales pipeline due before the end of the year. In addition to achieving this sales milestone, he's also become involved with buying investment properties and building his wealth portfolio, and he does it all with a focus on work-life balance and quality time with his family. Now, let's welcome Brent to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Brent, welcome to the show. Tim, thanks for having me. Hey, sorry if we had a little bit of a screw-up when we were trying to get things started. Such is the way with technology. So, man, 100 units this year. Congratulations. I am so freaking happy for you. S- sincere Thank congratulations. You. Thanks that, for all your that, help. That's been, well, of course. That's been the big goal for a while. So, dude, huge accomplishment. I appreciate um, so, it. So, when you're looking back, let's. we obviously have a host of questions to pull from, a list of questions an outline for our call today. But what I'd like to do is I kind of like to just have this radio show be a couple dudes talking. Is that cool? Just like one of our old coaching calls. <laughs> Don't lean to me right. too bad. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's right. Um, so you, first of all, let the listeners know where you sell real estate. Let them know how they can get in contact with you um, and that sort of thing so they can send you referrals. And I will strongly suggest that you give them a easy way to get in contact with you because you will get referrals from doing this radio show because, not to make you nervous, bro, but we have easily 100,000 people that will listen to this radio show. I thought it was just two dudes talking. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I screwed that up, didn't so, I? <laughs> so from Ann Arbor, Michigan and surrounding markets just outside Detroit, um, best way to reach me is always by cell phone or email. Cell phone is 734-646-4263. Email is brent at com, and you can text me, call me. I always get back to everybody. All right, excellent. Um, your real estate business is a very interesting practice because you have got a good balance between buyers and sellers, investment properties, and a little bit of everything. And what a lot of listeners from, say, more expensive markets don't understand is that when you're selling large volumes of homes in a more normal market like where you sell, you do have to have a variety of sources of business, especially for your listings. How long did it take you to realize that you needed to have that diversity in order to have steady income? I occasionally still forget, but um, probably the first 10 years, realizing and watching the market adjust and change, that it wasn't just new construction or just first-time home buyers or buyers or listings or farms or you know fix and flips. Um, before I really saw the cash flow coming in from a, a number of different tentacles out there in the real estate market. As far as like uh, learning how, in the past 12 months, let's say, what was necessary for you to go from 
well, let's let's even scale it back to maybe 24 months. For you to go from 50 units to 100 units, what were the maybe the top three things that you had to learn to do? Either learn to do from I doubt if you had to learn from nothing, but maybe learn to perfect or learn to become a real expert at. Maybe the three things that if you were to be able to talk to the Brent from, you know, 24 or 24, maybe 36 months ago who wanted to go to 100 units that you would say, hey, dude, just stay focused on these three things. What would they be? Having the right people around you, meaning support staff that you can delegate to and not forget about it, like you always say, but actually have it being taken care of and done correctly, and then you can oversee it. So trusting the people that you delegate to. I think hiring the right coach. What's the rest of the quote? Brent, what's the rest of the quote? following up. No, trust but verify, right? right? Correct, correct. Right, exactly. Trust but verify. Let's just can we just circle on that one for just a second? Absolutely. Okay. Delegation in the real estate business is often a substitute word for being lazy. Would you agree with that statement? A lot of agents I think do um do use it as a substitution and sometimes people perceive it um that way, yes. Would you also agree that a lot of agents will delegate the things that maybe are the things that they should be uh, never delegating, for example, lead follow-up, for example, uh, doing uh, lead generation? Those are some of the things that they, an agent should never delegate. Would you agree with that? Correct. So let's talk a little bit about the idea of delegating, but then following up to make sure it's getting done without feeling like or letting your subordinates feel like, you're overly managing them. How do you balance that? Um, I think the first thing is getting the right people. And, Tim, you helped me through that process of, you know, being slow to hire and quick to fire and making sure that the right people are there and then training them um, with the practice that, you know, once you give it to them, if it's not done right, um, you know, making sure that they're capable of doing it right and making sure that the next time, you know, things are, you know, adjusted and changed and you don't have to do it. I think more than a couple times before you get it, if you got the right person or not. I don't know if that answers your question, but um, you know, you don't have to micromanage the right people once you've taught them how to do it, and you continue to grow together. And even then, you still have to verify the work was done. You can't just completely walk away. Do you think it's a myth that you could build a totally delegated business that you didn't that you wouldn't have to, even as a like even if you got to the point where you were not working directly with any buyers or sellers, you were only managing your managers. Uh, do you think that that's less work or more work than, say, an agent with one assistant working directly with the clients themselves in terms of actual effort and time? If someone offered me that business, I don't think I'd want it at all. Um, I think the idea of having some customer interaction, being involved in that process, uh, managing people is not for everybody. It's not a strong skill set of mine that uh, you know, it took me a long time of falling forward before I got it, you know, to a position where I'm at today. Why do you think so many people see the idea of having this sort of uh, the, the myth, and it is a myth, of a business that runs itself without you having to oversee it? And if you're making a passive investment in a company, listeners, that's one thing. But I'm talking about the myth, the team myth, where a lot of agents, and this is where they make mistakes, they don't realize that you can build a team, you can scale your business, you can have assistance, you can do what Brent did. But the idea that you don't have to oversee them, you don't have to manage them, you don't have to hold them accountable, you don't, you know, the idea that you can literally just walk away, that's where people run into mistakes. That's where they, that's where they fail. And if you ever study any great leaders, anybody, you know, that's built anything uh, 
great companies or just doesn't even matter if it's you know business related or not you'll find one of the common elements they had is everything that Brent just said the ability to attract and retain the right people but also they never completely walk away from the task that those pers- those folks were hired to do in doing so you relinquish uh, you relinquish way too much and ultimately you relinquish your company and you relinquish your profits because they're not going to be as business minded as you are and when you're not monitoring and managing them or have systems in place that do it for you, or at least in addition to what you're doing, they actually lose respect for you, and that's, that's your profitability goes out the door. So let's talk. We said three things. You're talking to the uh, Brent from a few years ago. The first one is I heard you say you'd, you'd probably add assistance quicker. You'd have a more professional approach. You'd be more selective on who you hired, and you'd be quicker on who you fired if they weren't able to perform. What would be the second thing that you would do? Hire the right coach. And I think everybody has a different, you know, set of skills, and everyone needs, you know, different kind of coaching. I, you know, not just plugging it because I'm on your radio show right now, but I do believe I've always had a coach um, since I've been in real estate to help you get to the next levels to make the impossible possible. Um, as you've done a lot with me, is just changing mindset in in what is truly possible in one day, in you know, in an eight or ten hour day, that. The, you know, two years ago, I wouldn't have ever even fathomed. Attentive listeners will hear the words you just used. You said hire the right coach, and I actually didn't remember this, and you're, I'm not even sure of the answer before I ask the question, but did you have coaches prior to us? I did. Yep, I've had a coach. Ah. Um, this is the third system that I've been in uh, since I've been in the business almost well, almost 15 years now. So what didn't work in the past for the with the other coaching programs? And again, this is not listeners. Don't worry, we're not going to. This is not going to be a uh, an attempt to sell you into coaching. I'm just curious because a lot of our listeners in similar situations where they've been through other coaching programs, the coaching program didn't work for them. You hear this too, I'm sure, and they blame themselves. Whereas the reality of it was the coaching program just a didn't work in the first place, or b it just didn't work for them. You know, it just wasn't a match for them or their market. So how did you uh, like what 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 were the reasons that you ended up firing your previous coaches? I think there's a use by date, um, and to be fair to you know some of the other coaches, that the reality is I'd heard certain things that I wasn't going to adjust, or they didn't have the ability to make me adjust, and mm. you know they had started buying my excuses, and I you know I realized at that moment that there needs to be change. I think that's probably the number one thing. You know the systems work in most industries if we work but it's leveraging what we're doing every day that makes a difference in this industry that you're helping me through thank you so what's the third thing you're talking to the you of a few years ago what else would you say third thing think big don't Mm. uh don't settle for something that that you you wish you would have had um you know dream big think big and then figure out how to go get it that's my favorite point of all three of your points. Even though the second one was self-serving for my interest, I like the third one the best. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's, it's funny. Uh, your third point is so important. And I remember all of our coaching calls. And listeners, I'm not coaching him personally, not one of our coaches is. But I remember all of our coaching calls about that very topic. And, you know, it's funny because I totally relate. You're from Michigan. I'm from Ohio. And, uh, you know, I don't – you know, being a Midwesterner, well, you know what I'm getting at, right? Being a Midwesterner, I'm very loyal to the Midwest, but the reality of it is, is generally speaking, if you want to think big, you're going to have a struggle doing it inside most of 
the Midwest. You're going to have to travel, and you're going to have to go outside your own immediate market. You're going to have to go and hang out with people that are in our industry that have their own private jets. You're going to have to learn how to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because that's actually where you go to the next level. And you and your wife have done this. You guys have had some crazy travel adventures, right? Yes, I feel very fortunate for that. And, uh, and I'm fortunate to live in a college town that allows us in the Midwest to experience a lot of things that don't come to the Midwest, but they do for the college towns. But yeah, absolutely. You've helped me, you know, take things that I didn't even think two years ago could be on my radar and actually achieve them in a short period of time. Like, for example, you know, some of the travel trips, um, having my mornings with my daughter, um, having some more balance where I'm not constantly, um, not even that I'm not working, but my mind's not even there. I, I'm truly present with my family when I'm there. Where have you traveled this year? We've been in Mexico, Montana, uh, Acadia National Park in Maine, uh, Florida. We're going to Chicago tomorrow. Um, you know, a few other little trips here and there around Michigan. You had a trip when your, if I remember correctly, you had a trip when your daughter was very young, some like far east exotic trip or something. Am I remembering correctly? We did 81 days around the world before my daughter was born. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, you also have networked with a lot of very wealthy folks. You've become friends, and you have been friends with a lot of uh, sort of the um, aristocracy from the when the big three uh, automakers were running the world in essence, and you have uh, really good friends with people that are generationally wealthy, and I'm sure that keeps you out of your comfort zone when you're hanging out with those guys, correct? There's some things that aren't normal around us that, you know, there's a few people will expose us to. And as, like you said, building your network, um, there are a number of people here that continue to keep me on my edge of my seat and make me think bigger in addition to coaching, for sure. So you, I know, are somebody who has a – you live a very Dave Ramsey, financially conservative, pay-myself-pay-everything-off uh, type lifestyle, correct? Absolutely. So when you have stakes in the freezer, a.k.a. money in the bank, and you have no debt and your house is paid off and you're a young man, uh, how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you to go to the next level? How do you actually consistently think big to take yourself to the next level in production for your business? What motivates you? Like I said, that's the biggest thing given advice to you know myself two years ago is making sure that you don't just have a coach, but you have the right coach. And like I said, I'm not continuing to plug you, but you know, for the right people, having a bucket list, having a dream, whether it's being financially independent where you get to choose to go to work and you can live on your passive income, um, whether it's, you know, you and I talking about investing in things outside of our markets, outside of our comfort levels, um, you know, other ancillary businesses, things like that, that continue to push me and get me excited every morning. Family is another one that's pretty easy. Your coach can't coach you to be uh, non-complacent if they're complacent themselves, and I think that's what you're touching on. If your coach Absolutely. themselves are they're they're just calling it in, and they're just basically being, you know, settled in their lives. How motivational are they going to motivational will they be for their clients? I mean, that's kind of a a paradox, but it's true. So you also said something else which I really appreciated, and I'm thinking about our own daughter Zoe when you said this too. You said you are it's not just time with your family; it's being present when you're there. Talk about that. I found um, 
you know, the, in a lot of people who have kids that are older have gotten this for years. I was a, you know, at 34 having a child um, made me right out of the gate realize what some people learned way before I did. But it wasn't just being, you know, present, you know, physically. It's mentally, emotionally, having conversations, communicating with them. Um, and not, you know, not worried about the deal that I just negotiated an hour or two ago or the inspection that may be going wrong, um, and still providing the customer service, never letting them, you know, never letting the customer slip and not feeling guilty for that, but purely, you know, with your wife or with your spouse, significant other, whatever it may be, and your children. I see so many people in different industries, including ours, they may be at the game, but they're they're glued to their phone. They're not. They're not watching it. They're not having an interaction. And I just don't ever want to be one of those people. Were you ever one of those people? Absolutely. Was that when you had debt? Um, I still have some debt, and we've talked about good debt. But um, yes, rentals it's a lot is what easier. he's talking about, listeners. Yeah, yes, you have low balance easier. mortgages on your rentals. I, I listen. I want to clarify what you just said. Okay. Low balance mortgages on your rentals, uh, that's what, generally speaking, everyone would agree is good debt. So if you're not going to pay cash to your rentals listeners, and depending on your market, I know it's very difficult to, just have low balance mortgages. That way, when they go vacant, if you have 10 low balance mortgages, it won't clean your clock in terms of you know making those mortgage payments yourself. So just keep that in mind. Don't be lulled into believing, and this is mostly for my California agents and talking to you, don't be lulled into believing that you should go out and take a bunch of debt on um, you know, and that's going to the, the debt is going to be the thing that motivates you because you will lose in that scenario. If you don't believe me, just hop, hop in a time machine and go back to the recession and look at all your real estate cohorts that went belly up because they had used that type of motivation to keep themselves working. That's kind of insane, just for what it's worth. Uh, so, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But, so, you were I mean, saying, go ahead. A great example is, you know, it's as we always said, it's not the sexy approach. But go out and buy rental properties and either pay cash for them or put a massive amount down. If that doesn't motivate you, then you probably shouldn't be buying rental properties. Um, I mean, if you can't walk into a closing and either pay cash for it or pay a significant amount where there's enough in reserves and that you're never going to be nervous if it's vacant even for a year or something catastrophic happens to it, that you, you, you respond very differently when you're, like Tim continues to say, when you're up against the wall, you can't be present. You, I mean, there's so many other issues going on in your life that don't allow you to live a life of abundance. You know, here's another thing you're touching on. You're doing it very calmly, right? You're doing it in a very Midwesternly, you know, way, which I appreciate. I've kind of lost my <laughs> calmness as I moved out, you know, too many years ago. So your uh, idea of buying rental properties, and this is a thing you and I used to, you know, on our coaching calls, this is what Big Driver was is having financial freedom, right? You know, at the end of the day, we all kind of strive for, if you kind of cut through all the bullshit, you kind of, what everyone really wants at the core is not to have to, is to basically have their money working for them versus them having to work for their money. And the easiest way to do that uh, is going to be rental properties. Really, truly, the easiest way to do that is paid off rental properties. Those are even better. So you're obviously striving to have enough paid off rental properties to make it so that you could choose to work if you want to or not choose to work and spend more time with your family and other passions, how close are you to accomplishing that goal? Being conservative in the Midwest, <laughs> I think I'm probably 10 years away from getting to choose to come to work every day. Um, I still want to come to work in 11 years, but I, I really want to wake up in the morning and say, no matter what happens to me health-wise, 
if you know you know no matter what if I don't make another dollar what is producing affords the lifestyle of luxury that we want to continue to live for the for you okay, know so not just foreseeable future but for forever Okay so now we're going to just be two dudes on the phone having a coaching call cuz what you said just made my teeth itch okay <laughs> All right so just try to be comfortable you're how old are you now you're 35 36 35 yeah Okay, so you're in your marketplace. You can buy a nice. I know you're in more of an expensive area in Michigan, so I remember all, all that. But you could buy a nice, easily rented property for less than, say, 120, 130 grand. Correct? It's about where I'm buying them at. Yep. Okay, so why would you? And and if you don't, you don't have to answer this question. How many do you have right now? How many rentals do you have right now? Not enough. Uh, okay, so that's you're not answering the question. That's fine. How much do you have in your personal uh, monthly bills if you didn't have any business expenses just to basically live a really nice lifestyle for you and your family? You know, not, you know, flying private, maybe flying first class when you go back to Tahiti, things like that. How much would you have to earn per year? Not some crazy ass, you know, you're hanging out with P. Diddy at the top of the Empire State Building, but, you know, the lifestyle you're used to, how much would you have to earn per year? With no debt, I have to be making about $150,000 a year in today's dollars. Okay, I got it. I understand everything you just said. You're saying uninflation adjusted. I get it. All right, so for that to happen, um, how much would you, how many rental properties would you have to have paid off for that to account, for, the, for that to happen? And I'll do the math for you. Each rental property, if you're buying it at 120 or 130 grand, after, assuming it's basically 90% vacant, assuming normal taxes and normal whatever else, you're looking at about an $800 a month net per rental property if it was paid off, correct? We're a little bit higher than that, but yes. Um, okay. We can... Well, how much higher? Let's use real numbers. Is it 1000 or is it a 900 Where is it? We're, we're about 950 if you own them free and clear with taxes, rental rates, insurance, vacancies, repairs, escrows that I can make per rental property per month. Dude, get with me after this radio show. I need to buy some rentals from you, okay? So moving for Columbus, I can only get them to like 800 850 All right, so moving forward. Uh, no one's debating that Ann Arbor is better than Columbus. No! Oh, had to get that in. I guess we'll find out with the big Michigan-OSU football game, which you guys continually lose, but that's a different conversation. So um, with all that said, you need basically comfortably, you need 12 to 15 paid-off rental properties to make it so that you are financially independent. Agreed? Fifteen is my goal, yep. Okay, why would that take you ten years, given the amount of money you're earning and given the you know vitality and the, everything else you've got going for you? Why would you give yourself – I can think of an analytical reason why it would take ten years, but why would Brent give himself ten years to accomplish a goal, which he should be able to do in half that time? I don't understand. That's why I continue to hire you as a coach. Keep pushing No, me. but answer the – bro, answer the question. Seriously, answer so the question. Why would it take – We want – I – I want to continue to take a significant amount of time off during the winters and travel with the family. Um, I live a very conservative life, so if I can do it in five, I would probably always say ten. Um, it's probably that Midwestern, you know, it, why, why say ten if you think, you know, it, I don't know. Because if I'm, you say I, ten, so, Brent, because if you say ten, it's not going to take ten, it's going to take fifteen. If you say five, and if it takes seven, you're still ahead of the game. It's the By whole the time shooting I'm 45, narrow... I believe I can be completely choosing to come to work, have assets, have enough money to continue to play, um, you know, live exactly the lifestyle that I dream to. Permission to be direct with you, sir? Yes, please. 
Dude, with all you've got going for you, if you don't have that accomplished by the time you're 40 in five years, that's just plain lazy. I'm adjusting my goals in writing as we speak. But seriously, I don't know why you'd even give yourself 10 years to accomplish that because you're not, you don't have to pay retail for properties. You list them, you get an automatic 6% discount. Half, that's, you know, you know, that's something. Why would you give yourself 10 years to accomplish something you could accomplish in five? Why don't you make it so you're financially independent by the time you're 40, opposed to by the time you're 45? Trust me, when you're 45, I'm 45, you feel dramatically different than when you do when you're 35. All the listeners will agree. Lots of things happen in your life. Lots of things change. Do it before you're 40. You will, that will be the greatest gift. You won't just give, you never sell them either, right? So once you have them, never sell them. And that will be the greatest gift you'll ever have. You'll be financially free for the rest of your life. For a second, ponder on that. Think about that just for a second. How would that feel to have actually accomplished not having, now I'm not saying you wouldn't because I know you would, but not having to work checks in the mailbox by the time you're 40 for the rest of your life. That you can raise the rents every uh, year to keep up at least with inflation. How would that feel? Delightful. Yeah. It's going to happen. What's the like benefit? I mean, I... Yeah. You got to get on that, man. Don't let that slip by you. Don't say freaking ten years. That's ridiculous. How can you even make a ten-year plan? You with me? I hear you loud and clear. What are you thinking? That's the first part of my my coaching call on Monday. Will be that, and we'll spend some significant time uh, when we travel. We continue to try to think big and have fun doing it. So going to Chicago tomorrow will be a a good time and. To, to be able to expand that, push it down, and see what's you know what we commit to, and my wife's involved with the entire process, so. Well, you know what? I don't I don't want to back off this. I know this is not our traditional interview, but you and I are comfortable enough with each other. I think I can ask you the next question. Can you give me about another five minutes? Absolutely. For the sake of all of our listeners, okay, and for you primarily, but for the sake of all of our listeners, let's not think about it and vacillate it and procrastinate making a plan. Let's not do that. Let's not do what you just said. Let's make a plan right now. Right now, on the radio, with all these people listening, let's make a plan on how you can buy. How many actual properties do you need, dude? What's the number in order for you to accomplish this goal? You need 15. How many more do you have to buy? i got to buy 10 more properties. Okay, no big deal. Okay, so you have five years to buy 10 properties and, and pay them off. So you'd need, in your marketplace, I'm going to forget about any balances you have on your current mortgages. I'm just going to focus on these 10 new ones. In today's dollars, let's say you'd need, give me a dollar amount total to buy 10 properties. Realistically, probably a million and a half, um, being conservative. Okay. Tell me how, in the next five years, in re- don't forget taxes, but do remember the fact that you have lots of nice tax advantages for buying rental properties, which you know about. So all those things in consideration. How much extra money would you have to earn per year over the next five years in order to have a million and a half so that you can pay rental, buy these rental properties? And by the time you're five years younger than me... You are out of the game if you choose to be. How can you do it? It's only an extra three hundred grand per year, dude. How can you exactly. do it? How many extra units? Yes. Now we're onto something, aren't we? How many extra I'm units? The calculator. I'm running numbers here. Hold on. Um, you know, it's really. It. You know, there's a lot of other things, and like I said, the analytical aspect of. of screw the analytical. Numbers, but... Burn your spreadsheet. Just stay focused on the top line numbers. 
when you drop into analysis paralysis, basically that's your ego popping up and basically trying to make you cast doubts and dispersions on your ability to accomplish the goal. If I sell 45 more homes a year without, I mean, that's, you'll accomplish that way before the time I'm 40. Okay. Well, what's the real number, though? What's the real well, number? I mean, 30 I just, more houses? Yeah, it's probably closer to 30, probably closer to 30, 35 homes. Okay. On okay, stay on this. No, don't don't lose. Let's not lose momentum. So, for you to sell an additional thirty to thirty-five homes per year, how would you do it? Tell me how you would do it. You already know the answer to this question. I'm probably the same thing that we've talked about in the past: is not selling more homes, but increasing my average sales price. It's, Easiest way, right there. Um, Thank you very much. Number what else? Double, double dipping. So, working with builders and being on both sides of the transaction, working multiple and being sellers. Better with and being better with lead follow-up and using 1-800-HOME hotline to getting on those leads when the calls come in. Good. What else? Continuing to to work and provide the customer service to the past clients and, and getting more out of that is what we're working on right now. Have, but not just doing passive stuff for your past clients. Have direct communication with them on a regular daily basis that's going to result in them thinking of you when they think of real estate, being overt about it, not this passive pump, dropping off pumpkin crap and hoping the phone rings, but being direct, Mr. Uh, Brent, who do you know that I should be helping buy or sell a home right now type stuff? What else? Working on my ratios of closing, so number of listing presentations ah. I go on to number of listings I get. Working That's really on important. Taken, listing sold. So if you go Under on contract 10, contract and closed. If you go on 10, your mindset is, is I take 10. When you list 10, your mindset is, I sell 10. You do not accept any ratios lower than that. And if you're not, and I know it's not realistic, guys, who cares? If you're not hitting those types of ratios, you need to own it, not allow yourself to rationalize, well, somebody else, you know, the other agent had an inside track. They knew him from church. They're their past agent. Do not allow yourself to suffer the indignity of your own bullshit that allows yourself to fall into this world of complacency. When you fail, own it and figure out how to essentially get a hell of a lot better. True? Absolutely. I love it. And it's all about that. It's all about those things. And you and I could talk more, right? You could you could list a subdivision. You could you could find the guys the which by the way, I know for a fact this is happening in your market. Hook up with some of these guys that are flipping properties. You know, there's so many dude, it's only twenty five, maybe realistically if you up your sale price, it's only twenty extra units per year. Is that really a lot a big ask for you, given where you are right now in your career? Is that a huge ask? I think it's extremely feasible. Um, I don't think it's any different than the, you know, the trajectory that we're on today. Um, it's just continuing to stay focused to it on a daily basis. How cool is that? How does that make you feel? I got my free coaching call. That's great. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> Yo, well, you, know, you should have. My wife will be calling me tomorrow to say thank you. Oh, well, good. So this is how you keep yourself motivated, though, isn't it? When you have this big dream, well, it's not even a dream, it's a plan. When you have it broken down to numbers, when you basically create a path that you can follow, when you know, and you and I, if we had more time, we'd break it down to exact daily activities, that is what keeps you motivated because you know every single day when you wake up what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, how it's supposed to be done, what you're supposed to be expect as a result, and then being the best at what you do, that's exciting. Isn't that motivational in itself, knowing that you can be the best at something? It's fun, that's for sure. It is. So what are you thinking? we got to round the bend. 
what am I thinking? Yes, sir. T- trying to do that and keeping it fun through the process. Um, trying okay. to keep you know motivated on a daily basis for that, um, and you know putting this you know what we just talked about into a plan that can be measured you know measured whether it's weekly or monthly, um, and start you know just pulling the trigger and buying the properties. Commit yourself to um, in the next say 30 days, 90 days, 60, have one in contract at all times, and you know closings now are 60 days out. And then make it so that you have to always have one on contract. That's the bottom line. And then you'll always have that looming date in your future, and that'll keep you motivated. <laughs> Brent, don't give your don't give your well. That'll keep you motivated. Don't give yourself ten years. Now, some of the people are listening and are going, "Oh my God, that's too intense." I get it, but you know, this is a coaching call. This is a radio show. You listen to how the, the approach that one would take with someone who's a top producer, who has the capacity not just to sell 100 houses per year because he's just getting started, agreed. Yeah, and your versatility on some of the coaching calls, you know, it isn't always this intense. It isn't always, you know, sometimes it's, hey, pull back, you know, and, and be more present or were you present or asking questions, um, you know, to, to cater towards what my challenges are for that particular week. But it's getting me motivated and setting the big dream in front of me and then coaching me through the process to get there. Okay, so now you're sending a message to the Brent five years from now. You're sending a message forward before we're talking about sending a message backwards. What do you want to tell the Brent five years from now? What is it that you want him to know? You know, what is it that you want to be most proud of having accomplished in the next five years? That's a great question. I think if I can look back, you know, and, and say you had fun doing it, you kept balance through the process. You achieved your goal, and, you know, there were certain days you weren't on it, but, you know, over the week or month or year, you stayed on track, and you, as soon as you got off track, you came back on track. And, you know, overall, now that you've done that, you know, you're a down-to-earth guy. What's the next goal you want and making sure something's in front of you? Be careful on when you words, use words like balance. Quantify what balance means, and you do know what balance means. You have a definition of balance, don't you? It comes Absolutely. down to scheduling and things you do every day. Well, for the sake of the listeners, because they'll get overwhelmed, they'll get overwhelmed by that word, and that word will become an excuse. They'll say, "I have lack of balance, and that's the reason for my lack of performance." Okay. So when you say balance, quantify that. So we always discuss minimum standards um, for for me to be in balance, and it's never you're always off balance at some point if you look at it a short period of time. But over a long period of time, a week, a month, a year. My my balance is when I spend my mornings with my daughter. When I prospect mm. for an hour before lunch, I will not take listing appointments more than three nights a week in the spring, and I will not work more than a half day during a weekend if necessary. Um, the rest of the time is, you know, helping, you know, with the team. And I've got a boutique team. There's, you know, one buyer's agent, one closing coordinator, um, one assistant, and they do a great job. But if I'm doing anything other than that, if I'm working more than that, I'm immediately off balance, and I know it. And you balance things with your you, – you have scheduled things. I know this is personal, and I won't go – I won't deep dive, but you schedule things with your wife. You guys do trips. You guys do things. So there's a – so at the end of the day, guys, if you think about what does balance mean to me, he just told you what balance meant to him. You can write those things down, and you can actually make those, what he said, a minimum standard. So you have maybe 
three to five minimum standards that you're going to do every single day. It could be, as he said, it's time with your family. It could be praying. It could be, um, you know, these are not work things necessarily. These are the personal things that if you let those things go, it'll start affecting the work things, and vice versa is true as well. So don't get lost in words like balance or don't get lost in words like, you know, overwhelmed. Because it always comes down to a list of specific activities that if you do every day, and remember, you know, long-term ever-increasing success, and Brent is a per- perfect example of it, comes from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Okay, so over time, as he beautifully said, you might not hit it out of the park every single day, but you still show up to the batter's mound. You still show up every day and you swing. And just the constant forward uh, pushing, you keep the momentum going in your direction and you'll win more than you'll lose. That's how, overall, you become wildly successful like Brent. And I am really looking forward to talking to you in five years when you're sitting on your island or your private jet or you have that passive income coming in and you are now investing in other businesses or you're, maybe you're, opening, you're starting charities you've completely and totally changed the trajectory for the rest of your life based on the simple, basic things that you do every single day now. That's pretty exciting. And if that doesn't motivate you guys, um, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You're unmotivatable maybe. Maybe you just don't want to be motivated. You know, maybe you have a belief issue with what you can accomplish in life. These are all the reasons you asked for a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Anything else you'd like to say as we round the bend on today's radio show? And I appreciate you going over, by the way. I greatly appreciate you continuing to push me. Um, you know, all your staff has always continued to be um, right on top of it, continuing to help me achieve my goals. And I just want to say thanks for that, and don't give up. Keep pushing hard. Oh, do you think I will? Do you think that those words nope. are even in my? <laughs> no, no, no. And no, I there's no doubt that. You, appreciate... you never have, and you and you won't. But I'm just saying, no way. To push me, and thank you. No, my pleasure, and our coach's pleasure, and I sincerely appreciate. Um, you know, honestly, dude, I really sincerely appreciate you entrusting us to be your coach. It's always been a great honor, and I'm looking forward to continuing on this path as you go uh, and accomplish more greater, amazing things with your life. And thank you very much for being my co-host on the radio show today. Have a fantastic day, everybody. And remember, if you have any referrals that are going to Brent's Market, the phone number is? 734-646-4263. Cool. Have a great day. Talk with you on the radio tomorrow, listeners. Thanks again, Tim. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.